Presented content does not provide or constitute medical, financial, or legal advice. The content is for information purposes only. Viewing or listening to the content does not constitute a physician-patient, dentist-patient, fiduciary-client, or attorney-client relationship. Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about wisdom for a new day and a new age is Dr. Carol Penn. Dr. Penn, doubly board certified in family medicine and obesity medicine, as well as being a master movement, meditation, and mindset coach, brings more than 40 years of experience and expertise in mind-body medicine and the movement sciences. Gifted with the ability to inspire and educate about self-care, Dr. Penn brings a unique set of skills to her work as a physician. She is also a two-time best-selling author and her book, Meditation in a Time of Madness, launched in 2019. How are you doing today, Dr. Penn? I am doing fantastic, and I'm so excited to be here. This is amazing. Yes, it's our second time together, so um, I'm looking forward to our conversation, of course. But before we get started, for those that are joining us for the live webinar, if you have any questions, um, type those questions in. Time permitting, we will do everything in our power to get your questions answered. So, Dr. Penn, before we started, you and I were having a conversation, and I'd love for you to maybe share that quote that you had. Um, it really kind of as a way to kind of jumpstart us. Absolutely. It's one of my favorite quotes from Proust, of all people. We do not receive wisdom. We must discover it for ourselves. After a journey through the wilderness, which no one else can make for us, which no one can spare us, for our wisdom is the point of view from which we come to last regard the world. So what does that, what does that quote mean to you? Well, it's really talking about you know, we perhaps we we're we're now we've reached the age of 50 60 70 80 90 100 who knows but we're at a point in our lives where we can turn and look back we've had some experiences we have crossed over some terrain perhaps a lot of which has been rough. We've had surprises, we've had disappointment, we've known grief, we've known sadness, we've known sweetness, we've known bitterness, we've known joy, we've tasted all of the emotions and the sensations and feelings of life. And now we have something called perspective. And it is through this lens of lived experience, of embodied experience, that we now both see and are seen by the world. Can wisdom be taught or learned, Dr. Penn? Well, the science tells us that yes, wisdom is something that can be taught and can be learned. So at one point, you might have heard the phrase, the school of hard knocks. We just felt it was kind of haphazard and you arrived at a certain age and either you had smartened up or you hadn't smartened up. <laughs> That's, you know, the school of hard knocks. You know, where'd you learn that? Learn that the hard way around or the long way around. However, we do know through the study of science, when we look at peak performance, when we look at systems biology, for example, that we can, even the science and practice of meditation, don't want to forget that, we can learn different attitudes that actually potentiate optimal states of being and 
wisdom is actually a state of being. One can become wise through life experience, and we can help that along now by looking at some attitudes that we want to cultivate along the way that help us be in that more positive state of being. And, and perhaps we don't have to go to the University of Hard Knocks and get that graduate degree. So some of these attitudes that we want to potentiate or cultivate are trust, openness, wonder, courage, proactive agency, challenge, and commitment. And we contrast these to the school of hard knocks way. So trust, openness, and wonder, we contrast that to doubt. Courage, we contrast that to fear. Proactive agency, we contrast that to ineffective pushing. Challenge, we contrast that to helplessness and hopelessness. And commitment, we contrast that to aimlessness. Yeah. So how does one, Dr. Penn, how do they cultivate wisdom? Oh my goodness. So, you know, cultivating wisdom, one of, one of the paths that I use is I do look at the other wisdom-based traditions. I look at different approaches and different schools of thought surrounding meditation where you can sit, take a few reflective breaths and just, you know, focus, focus with the breath, initially not having any goal at all, but just seeing what you notice in the moment, what arises in the moment. If a person is having some doubt, sit, ask yourself why, just begin to breathe. What is the doubt about? Perhaps you can ask yourself what I like to call a lofty question, not my original term, but Vishen Lakhiani, a founder of Mind Valley in one of the books, his books. Is there a way that I can step out of this doubt and step into trust? Or why is it that I can still look at life through the lens of childlike wonder? So sometimes taking these attitudes and framing it as a question in regards to self can be a very, very powerful gateway and opener for cultivating what I like to say, the ground of your being, setting the stage for that wise self to come out. Yeah. So Dr. Penn, you had mentioned trust and openness um, among others. Are there some other attributes or characteristics that can lead to wisdom? Yes, definitely. Courage is one of those things. So one of the, my favorite definitions of courage is having your fear and acting anyway. And, and when you think about that, you know, or characteristics of courageous people, it's not that they weren't afraid, but it is able that they were able to go on anyway. They were able to act anyway. They were able to stand up and stand out and stand for. And, and part of the secret of that is really learning one's purpose in life, one's mission in life. 
And so you're, you're motivated or you're called forward into action because you know what your mission in life is. You, you've cultivated this picture for yourself, an inner picture for the, for the most part, that says, this is who I am and this is what I stand for. And despite the obstacles, you know, I go back to that touch point again and again and again because I know who I am and what I stand for. Yeah. So Dr. Penn, you, you started off talking a little bit about the science. If I can maybe dive into that a little bit deeper. So what does science tell us about wisdom? Well, one of the things that science tells us about um, wisdom is that it is, well, there, there are a couple of schools of thought and approaches to there. So let me just back up a little bit. So one of the things when we look at Western clinical psychology, uh, in our Western traditions, we have a near exclusive focus on negative states. And one of the things that we have learned over the, the past 20 years or so is we're, we're stepping into the school of positive psychology. And there you have a focus on positive states, positive attributes. And you come away from, okay, there's something wrong, there's something broken, I need to fix it. And even when you look at the different techniques that most of us are familiar with, the psychodynamics and conflict, behaviorism and maladaptive behaviors, cognitive therapy, or even developmental theory, there's a lot of that that's focused on negative states. So I encourage people to, one, look to the Eastern philosophies and look to positive psychology and read the literature over there. So for example, we know that mind, body, and spirit skills move us along the continuum of optimism, openness, hope, and trust. So Dr. Pillman, I think about science to some degree it's and, and how it relates to wisdom. To me, it's almost like accumulated wisdom over time that you can kind of take into your personal professional life. But with science, is it more about knowledge versus wisdom? And kind of what is the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Well, it, it's different. It's wisdom is a state of being okay. and it's a sustainable, transformative state. Whereas knowledge, and don't get me wrong, I love knowledge. I geek out about all this brain business and, you know, the study of the neurobiology, neuroplasticity. Um, knowledge is often goal-oriented, right? So we're trying to acquire a degree. And if we uh, pass certain milestones, we get the stamp of approval that says you've acquired these 30 facts and these 30, 30 facts say that you have a degree in or that you have a certification in, and which can be applied to the state of being of wisdom, but it is not in and of itself wisdom. So one of the things my grandmother used to say, nothing worse than an educated fool. 
So this person was not exhibiting wisdom. This person, you know, and that, woo, that was that was really a, a negative assessment. If she looked kind of went, hmm, that's an educated fool. So yeah, the person had knowledge, the person had facts, but the person hadn't metabolized it, hadn't integrated it, was a non-effective communicator. There wasn't there 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 was a lack of trust, a lack of openness, a lack of wonder, a lack of appreciation, and if those characteristics were not evident. She wasn't so interested in their knowledge because she and she was an incredibly wise woman, a person who embodied wisdom, and you could see that difference between embodied openness, trust wisdom and courage agency and then a person who just kind of spews facts or re repeats facts so one's you know intellectual and the other is a state of being wisdom is a state of being yeah so why is wisdom dr penn so important in our lives well, it's important because it directly leads to the happiness factor. The Dalai Lama has says, you know, the whole point in life is happiness, to be happy, to embrace happy. And, you know, if you aren't able to cross that bridge, and walk over the river of knowledge, the river of the things that have happened to us, you, you kind of become doomed to always be a victim as opposed to someone who has proactive agency over the expression of their life and who they are, who they can become and who they continuously become moment to moment to moment to moment. And, you know, we understand also from the science that working with negative states only reduces or eradicates negative states, but does not lead to positive states. So this is why, you know, you want to delve into the literature around positive psychology, because, you know, looking at negativity does not give you the opposite, which is positivity, which is happiness. And that's yeah. what we're trying to do. We're trying to step into the wellspring of happiness. And it's an inside job. It has to come from deep within. Obviously, Dr. Penn, we've all been impacted. Everybody's been impacted by the pandemic. Mm. Are there some lessons that we can take away from the impact of the pandemic on our lives? Oh, absolutely. As horrific as this is, I think there are many, many golden nuggets, many golden nuggets. You know, one of my big golden nuggets was planting this fabulous organic garden that, you know, fed us, you know, well into mm -hmm. uh, really throughout the year. And we, we just had incredible luck for uh, first timers. And, you know, now the, the garden is growing again, full of new life. So, you know, we took that time to gain a skill set that we didn't really have before. And the, the time of, of being inward really was a time to take a deeper dive, to take a life assessment, to look, to grow, 
to become enriched. And let's say, well, oh, you know, maybe I didn't do that. You know, the COVID-19 could have been called the COVID-19 pounds. You know, my, I, my anxiety was provoked and I, I found myself, you know, eating my way through the pandemic in a way that wasn't um, helpful. However, we can still go back and what I would encourage people to, to do, you know, to begin this cultivation of the positive in themselves is to begin to understand, study mindfulness, study concentration, spontaneity, balanced energy, persistent focus, pliancy, patience, equanimity. And these are all things that if you study meditation, even at its simplest form, and at its simplest form, it's about connecting to your breath. These are some of the states that almost spontaneously arise from the, the study of and the practice of meditation, even down to the most fundamental of, of taking a few deep cleansing breaths on a daily basis, maybe even two or three times a day, and then beginning to, you know, shift away and move away from what so many people experience, which are these states of everyday unhappiness. We really want to transform and begin to move into the state of well-being and happiness. So Dr. Penn, obviously you are a master movement meditation mindset coach. We've talked about mindfulness in the past. How does somebody get there if they've never been there before? on their journey towards, you know, more openness and more trust in their lives? Well, you know, it, it is, see if you can find a group or at least an accountability partner, somebody else who shares the same curiosity and say, you know, I know my destination is over there, but I'm not quite, I can see it, but I'm not quite sure to get there. And so oftentimes you find that if you, if you find that friend, you sit down and the two of you begin to look at what resources are available in your immediate environment. Go to the, I love libraries, go to the, li you, you'd be surprised. If you ask a librarian, she might not be a subject expert in the particular area, but she knows how to find the information and not only are librarians able to point you to, okay, well, here's our books on this, here are the articles on this, but they're also becoming online experts where they can tell you, well, you know, there is a free group on this, that, other med uh, meditation, yoga, qigong, or even breathing exercises, and they can really help you put together a blueprint of a lot of readily available and free resources. So your local library is a, a powerful, powerful place to begin as, you know, is your, uh, well, it is, it really is your, your local librarian. And don't discount that. I encourage people to tap into that resource. And of course you can click around yourself on the internet, lots of things, but 
I think that you stand a better chance and will get more fulfillment and satisfaction when your journey is curated. And that's a wonderful free resource that most people have at their ready access. Somebody's asked a question about being wise. In your experience, do people prefer, prefer to be wise or surround themselves with wise people? Well, I tell you what, it's, it's both. It's and. It's and. So, again, the science shows that if you want to be wise, and I say create yourself a, a wisdom roundtable, and these can be people that you've met in person, or they can be people that, you know, you know, that you know only through the media, or only through reading or through history books. And you can have this council of wisdom around you at all times. And I have one, an imaginary one, people I've never met in real life. So for instance, like Oprah is part of my wisdom round table. And I talk to her on a regular basis. <laughs> you know, but it's like, yeah, you know, oh, what would Oprah do? Ah, <laughs> what would my dad do? So I was raised by my dad. My dad's no longer here. But I, I, I you know, what would my father do? What would my grandmother do? These are some of the wisest people that I know. And what would my mom do? She had a particular wisdom and genius around saving money, for example. And I was like, how would my mom approach that? How would she have taken care of this resource or shown good stewardship? And then I take that into reflective moments of quiet. Might, you might call that meditation, or sometimes I might journal about it. Mm -hmm. I might write about it, which also helps kind of seal it in. Yeah. So another person has chimed in talking about wisdom. They asked, is wisdom a real thing or is wisdom only in the eye of the beholder? That's an excellent question. Well, again, as the as we study more and more about wisdom in scientific circles, it is, and again, this is one of these and both questions or answers. We're really seeing that as people take on the attributes of wisdom, trust, openness, courage, agency, and as people do the things to potentiate it, meditation, mindfulness work, qigong, yoga, for example, movement activities that help potentiate it. And then when we study these people's brains, and one of the ways that we do this is you know, it can be hooked up to EEG equipment that actually measures and looks at brain waves. We see the frequency and the, the firing of the brain, the rate of activity, and we see the brain waves changing going from beta to alpha to theta to gamma, for example. So we do have this bio-neurofeedback bio where we can actually see, yeah, this does have a neurophysiological response that we can measure. So it is and, it is and. So what is the relation, Dr. Penn, somebody asked, to getting older and growing wiser? Do they automatically go hand in hand? 
<laughs> no, they don't automatically go <laughs> hand in hand. That brings us back to the beginning where, you know, it's like, mm, you know, where my grand, an educated fool. Yep. <laughs> like, so hopefully, hopefully, you know, that state school of hard knocks. So hopefully as we grow older, you, you know, there's the cause and effect. We have an experience that's a cause and then we have an effect and hopefully we learn we gain insights from our experiences and 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 these insights help us do better and be better however there are some people that you see you know you or you might have heard the statement you're doomed to make the same mistake over and over again until you learn the lesson and these are people that are not getting insight from their life experiences. And so the, the fact that time is passing that, and they're aging, we're not seeing them grow wiser. We just keep seeing them make the same mistakes over and over again. Whereas other people, you know, we've seen them fall down and then we see them get back up. And when they get back up, they get back up with a new perspective, with wisdom, with wisdom to share. Like, this is the lesson that I learned. This is how that showed up for me. And oftentimes those people, we find them very credible credible because we have they've lived this contrast and we can clearly see the before and the after so yeah and the con converse is true i believe in reincarnation when i hear wisdom coming out of the mouth of a five-year-old and i'm like there's no way they've been on this planet long enough this time around to have that much knowledge or have that much wisdom because yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pay attention to this. I'm going to do, you know, out of the mouths of babes, right? So sometimes we can see wisdom coming from unexpected resources as well. Yeah. Last question. Somebody asked Dr. Penn. They said, as a physician and somebody that's been in this for forty plus years, what have you learned about yourself as far as being wiser? Oh my goodness. So for me, I have learned that difference between knowledge and book learning as my grandmother would call it and then metabolizing that and being able to step into my own life with agency and ownership with openness that has nothing to do with the number of degrees that i have or you know, how many certifications I hold, but has to do with the way I embody experience, has to do with the way I've learned to live out of the center of my heart. You're running things through the head, but marrying the two, so the energetic imprint of my intellect with the energetic imprint of my love and my courage and my openness. And when I am truly standing in that space when i am answering from that space that's when my wise self is present when my wise self comes forth and i can always trust that information when it's coming from that place within myself very good wonderful stuff dr penn
So how can people find you? Well, this, there's a number of ways. You can always visit my website, www.drcarolpenn.com, D-R-C-A-R-O-L-P-E-N-N.com. You can reach out, old school phone call, 732-842-3932, or again, email me. Email me at info at drcarolpenn.com, I-N-F-O, little rampersand at D-R-C-A-R-O-L-P-E-N-N.com or Dr. Carol at drcarolpen.com. Same thing, D-R-C-A-R-O-L, no punctuation in the Dr. Carol at D-R-C-A-R-O-L-P-E-N-N.com. And across all social media, again, at drcarolpen.com, D-R-C-A-R-O-L-P-E-N-N. Sorry, no.com on the social media, just at drcarolpen, D-R-C-A-R-O-L-P-E-N-N. So, and I also, I have two uh, year-long programs. Mm -hmm. So I have a Mindset Mastery course for medical professionals, and that's www.mindsetmasteryrx.com, M-I-N-D-S-E-T-M-A-S-T-E-R-R-X.com. And then I also have Mindset Mastery for the Citizen Leader. And again, yep. that is going to be Mindset M-I-N-D-S-E-T-M-A-S-T-E-R-X.com forward slash sign, S-I-G-N, little dash, up, U-P, dash, N-O-W-2, now. So there you go. So those are all the multiple ways of getting in touch with me. And, you know, just, you know, the simplest way, email me, look, I'm interested in, and I will get back to you. Uh, and once again, also, you mentioned the social media. You you have a, a lot of really good stuff going on with your Facebook page, too. So um, I encourage you also, if you're a big Facebook user, to find Dr. Carol Penn on there. As far as Knowledgeable Aging, uh, you can find all of our upcoming and archive webinars on our website, knowledgeableaging.com. Um, you can also go to our YouTube page. I encourage you to subscribe. We update that four to five times per week. If podcasts are your thing, you can go to Spotify, Apple Tunes, etc. Till next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar, and this is Knowledgeable Aging.